Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A gorgeous afternoon in the Lone Star States. We are at Texas Motor Speedway. Only three races remain in the 2017 season, still trying to determine who the champion will be. Green flags in the air. All of a sudden, things start happening. We knew that this was going to be tricky. From Texas Motor Speedway. This racing is unreal. Hey, Hamlin missed the line. The 42 of Kyle Larson now up front. A new leader in Texas, Kevin Harvick. Frustration on the radio. Gotta get by her now. I'm starting to see some drivers gain positive. Round goes the 34. Spinning up one and two is Kyle Larson in the 42. Kevin Harvick out front. But you can see just how focused he is on doing his job. Kevin Harvick, he hits one at Texas Motor Speedway. The four is now in the championship four. Kevin Harvick has clinched a spot in the title race. He did it with a win, and he's joined by NASCAR's most consistent driver this year, Martin Truex Jr. He gets there on points. They both join Kyle Busch, and all three will race for the championship 13 days from now in Miami. So the question is, who will join them? Five drivers, one race to go, with just one spot open. Welcome to NASCAR America. Chris Devota alongside two of our drivers, KP and PK. Kyle Petty and Parker Kligerman. Just two weeks from today, guys, we are going to be sitting here talking about the 2017 Monster Energy Cup champion. And now we know the 2017 champ could look very much like the one from 2014. Could look like the 2014 champ. Obviously, with Kevin Harvick in the mix, I don't believe when this started that I had a Ford winning on a mile-and-a-half racetrack and finding his way to Miami. And that's what strikes out to me is that you saw in an age of aero dependence where people constantly say, we can't pass, we can't pass these mile-and-a-halves, the four car of Kevin Harvick not only went up there and passed, but he passed the best car all season on the mile-and-a-halves to go and win and get himself Miami. An epic race yesterday. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because it may have lacked some of the insanity of the previous week at Martin's but some good drama at the end. Kevin Harvick chasing down Mr. Mile and a Half. This really is a situation that for the other playoff drivers, this is the worst case scenario for Kevin Harvick to go win this race because the 78 is probably going to point his way through. There's only going to be one spot open going to Phoenix next week for everything happening. So we'll see how aggressive Harvick wants to be. I think right now he can afford to be a little bit patient for a little while. Right now I'm seeing Kevin Harvick in this position. He's trying to catch Martin Truex Jr., but it's going to take a mistake. And right now Martin Truex Jr. is not making very many mistakes on mile and a half tracks. Big wobble there for the 78. The four of Harvick's going to take advantage of it. He goes to the outside for the lead. Side by side as they go into three. And you can see that's what Harvick tried to do the time before when he wanted to run to his bumper, get the 78 a little bit loose, and then go around him. Didn't work the previous time, but it did to perfection this time. Kevin Harvick, the 41-year-old from Bakersfield, California, a championship in 2014 when he 
first moved over to Stuart Haas Racing. He and Rodney Childers immediately gelled. The team was nearly perfect. And now it took some great turns by the four, but Kevin Harvick can check Texas off the winless tracks. He has won at Texas Motor Speedway. And that's why some call him the closer. Kevin Harvick charged past Martin Truex Jr. and those final laps went on to his first career cup win at Texas. Another impressive drive came from Brad Keselowski who recovered from a lap one tangle with Kyle Busch to finish fifth and stay on course for Miami. Now, speaking of Kyle Busch, he dealt with a damaged car and a flat tire with 60 laps to go on his way to finishing 19th. Seven-time Texas winner Jimmy Johnson had an even worse afternoon, finishing three laps down in 27th. His bid for a record eighth Cup Series title is now on the ropes. Kevin Harvick picking up his very first win in his 30th career start at Texas Motor Speedway. You see there, he did some burnouts before stepping out of his car and chatting with Marty Snyder. Yeah, the first thing I want to do is thank all these fans in Texas. They love you there. I'm just, I'm happy to finally get to victory lane here. It's, it's been a long time coming. Just really proud of everybody at Stuart Haas Racing and our mobile one Ford. But damn, it's good to be in victory lane here at Texas. Um, just really want to thank, just really want to thank all my guys. I knew I had a really good car and I knew I had to do something different. I started driving it into turn one just a, a whole lot deeper. I saw the 42 during that, but uh, doing that early in the race, I was just afraid I didn't have the brakes to, to continue to do that all day. So I waited till the end and, and it was able to, uh, to get on the outside of Martin. I got him loose as I brushed across the back, I think, and uh, was able to get on the outside. My car was pretty good on the outside down there. So just really proud of everybody at Stuart Haas Racing and our Mobile One Ford. You told me last week you thought this would be the place. Not Phoenix, your traditional place. This would be the place. Did you have a premonition this might happen? Well, our mile and a half stuff has been really stout over over the you know the, the course of these playoffs. And I think as you as you look at everything that we've done, these have been our best tracks. But they put a lot of effort into into coming here, trying to get uh, to victory lane, knowing that I'd never won here. But it's great to check that one off, baby. Had Truex won, two spots would still be open. But when Harvick made the pass, one of the musical chairs was removed. So, yeah, at least five drivers going for one spot next week at Phoenix, holding that spot Brad Keselowski by 19 points over Denny Hamlin. I mean, nobody has been able to beat Truex on a mile and a half in the playoffs. I mean, he had won three of them going into <laughs> Texas. So, Parker, how did Kevin do it? I mean, he basically slayed the Giants. Well, speaking to Rodney Childers a lot through these playoffs, he kind of felt like going into the playoffs, they were maybe a fifth-place car. But once they started going the mile and a half in the playoffs, they started to see a little bit of progress, a little bit of development yeah. in their cars. And suddenly he turned to me a couple weeks ago and he said, we can win these. We can beat the Toyotas. And he said, you know, there's one car, though, that maybe is better than us. It's the 78. We got to figure out how to beat him and I think yesterday when it happened it came down to Kevin Harvick and what he talked about when he was driving here you see him making the pass around Martin Truex Jr. on a one-lane racetrack where Cole Pern had told Martin hold the bottom he'll never be able to get around you he goes to the outside and yeah. makes that pass when no one was able to do that for the lead at the end of the race so impressive considering who he's passing there being Martin Truex Jr. the most successful driver in mile and a half this year but the thing that Kevin did where he talked about changing his driving style, going into the corners harder, using more brake, Rodney has told me many times that one of the things that makes Kevin so successful is that in practice, 
he'll go and do a 20-lap run, and each and every lap he drives completely differently yeah. because he's figuring things out. He's constantly trying to change his style. And I kind of related it yesterday to a golfer going up each and every time they're going to make a swing and changing their swings. Yes. I mean, that's really hard to do <laughs> for a driver, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's impressive. I really think this is why this race team, to me, has been so impressive and why I've had so much confidence in them is because I feel like Kevin, this race team, can muscle wins yeah. out when it matters most. Yeah, a, a couple of things. Kevin said yesterday in post-race, um, Charlotte proved to them that they could run on the mile and a half. They won a couple of stages, and they said, okay. And he said it was a different attitude in the shop. Those guys got down, got dirty, said, we're going to make something happen, and brought their best stuff to, to Texas. And Rodney Childers on a radio show earlier, uh, a couple of people had said, I guess you guys are pointing to Phoenix. And he said, no, we're looking at Texas. And I think one thing you said, we said it at Martinsville. Martin, our, our, uh, Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers seem to rise to the occasion. There's something that these two do. They reach a little deeper, they try a little harder, and they carry this car. Kevin Harvick can carry this car on his back. And you said something. Kevin Harvick is a driver. That's what you've got to go back to. Kevin Harvick adjusts to the situation constantly. He's constantly evaluating what's going on around him. Is it inside? Is it outside? Is it half throttle? Is it full throttle? Do I drive hard? Do I let off early? What do I do to make this car run faster? He got Truex in a bad place, swept across his bumper, and, and he said it yesterday. When I went to the gas, it stuck. I was gone. <laughs> and you know what? To add into what you said about that race team kind of rising up and making things happen, I spoke to Rodney just a couple weeks ago about that race team and some of the decisions they were making. He said, you know, one interesting thing is that race team actually stopped going to the wind tunnel with every car yeah. because they felt like as they got in the playoffs with everything that's happened, switching to Ford and some of the things they've had to do in that organization and some of the workload that's been put on them, they felt like they could make changes quicker and develop quicker and get better if they were just focusing a little bit old school yeah. on just making those race cars the best they could be. So it's kind of a mentality change within the whole organization, within that Ford team, that's allowed them to get this this fast progress yeah. to being able to beat that 78 car. And I think Martin Truex and those guys changed the narrative at Miami. Or, or excuse me, that Kevin Harvick changed the narrative at Miami yesterday putting themselves in the mix, putting themselves in with a team that had dominated, dominated the mile-and-a-half racetracks, and then they beat them on a true mile-and-a-half. We talk about Miami being a different mile-and-a-half, but they changed that narrative saying, here's a Ford going up against the Toyotas. Here is a team that is a blue-collar, work ethic team that's going to get in there, going to get it done, exactly. and they're going to change the narrative when we get there from the standpoint is, They've got so much heart. This team's got so much heart. You can never, ever, ever count Kevin Harvick and out. And we've had Martin Truex's team decide to go test at Miami. Yeah. The Ford team decided not to because Rodney told me he felt like they don't gain anything. They've done it the last couple of years. Didn't gain anything the best year they ever had there. Yeah. They didn't test before. Let oh. the mind games begin, people. Yep. Well, and along <laughs> with that narrative, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Not right now, but later okay. in the show. Something that may play into Miami. So uh, just a little teaser. As you were talking, I thought, wait a minute. I think we've got something okay. for this. Oh, so we'll have that coming up. Stay but, tuned. Yes. Yeah. The <laughs> other big winner on Sunday was Martin Truex Jr. He cashed in all of those playoff and stage points he racked up all season long because he now also has a spot in the championship four. Well, I knew he was quicker. You know, once he got around the uh, 11, I guess it was, he started coming real fast, and that's all I had. So um, just struggled a little bit on the long run today, which um, typically is where we're our best. But he seemed to be really good when he got out, you know, up towards the front. We were good when we got out front through the middle of the race, and just we get too loose in those long runs. So only so much I could do inside. And then, um, you know, at the six and some other dummy racing side by side in front of us. And, I was way loose in traffic when I'd catch somebody, and I just got loose going into one, and Harvick jumped to my outside. So 
one of those deals. I think we'd held him off a clean racetrack, but you know, six cars in the damn way every week, so it's pretty normal. Well, well, well. On Sunday, Martin Truex Jr. was denied yes. a fifth consecutive win on a mile and a half track, but his season has been historic. His average finish of 2.7, good for second all-time on mile and a half tracks for a single season, beaten only by Bobby Labonte in 1999. Okay, so I think this is a good spot for, for my question. That teaser didn't last very long, no, right? No, it didn't last long. That right was now. good. One segment so, and we're yeah, back I know. Well, yeah. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> so with Miami also being a mile and a half track, talking about narrative, you would think Truex has the advantage because of all of those numbers, but he's never won there. The two others we know he'll face, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, not only have they won, they did so in the exact pressure cooker situation that they're going to be in, winning the race to win the title. So what does Truex have in his corner? Speed. I I know you say it changes the narrative that the four car went up and beat him, but he has been the best car all year on the mile and a half. And I don't want to take away anything from the 78 and what they've accomplished this year. I still think they are the favorite. It is an upset if someone goes and beats them, just like it was an upset yesterday when Kevin Harvick beat him on a mile and a half, on a green flag run, in a green flag pass. So I think when you look at this 78 team and how fast they've been, although Miami is unique, it is not a traditional mile and a half, it doesn't line up with many other things out there. You run it so unconventionally. There's so many grooves available to you. I just think the 78 is the fastest car in the Monster Energy Cup Series right now. And therefore, yes, they got beat yesterday. Yeah. They still have that speed advantage. Yeah, they still have the speed. And, and, and I agree. If we're going to do pros and cons, we're going to give Truex all these wins. We're going to tr- give Truex speed. We're going to give Truex Cole Pern. We're going to tr- give Truex everything that he deserves and has come. At the same time, I'm going to compare this to a Mike Tyson or a Tiger Wood. Ooh. Once, once they get beat... Other people look at them and say, oh, they're beatable. They're beatable on a mile and a half racetrack. So does this give Kevin Harvick, does this give Kyle Busch, does this give whoever the fourth contender is at Miami going into a mile and a half racetrack and say they are beatable on a mile and a half? This may give them that little bit of opening that you need to say they're not invincible this year. I still have to give the nod to them right now on paper. On <laughs> I'm paper. sorry, you just picked both sides. No, no, no. I, I give the nod to them on paper, but I think there's a crack in the armor. I think there's a crack in the armor, and I think that it's ready to be exploited. And will it be exploited this late in the season? It would be a shame after the season yeah. that he's had, but it's doable. There may be, but, you know, I think back to just the report from their test. They were the best car down there. Cole Pern was really excited and happy about the speed they showed yeah. at the test at Miami. So I just think when you look at this team, they haven't lost that speed. They didn't lose anything at Texas. They were just that little bit off of the four, found a little something. And that's, remember, Texas is unique now, too. That's not a traditional mile and a half in itself yeah. as well because of the changes they made. So Excellent point. I just think when you, if we're matching speed to speed, the 78 is the fastest car. But what you explained, can the Ford like muster something like they did there? Is someone going to rise up yeah. and find that little yeah. bit extra to beat them? Because right now, I think the speed advantage goes to them, but it comes down to game time, you know, and yeah. one mano a mano racing for the yeah. checkered flag and that's who gets tough. it. And I absolutely agree your statement that Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers have such heart together. But I think heart is something you can measure. And that 78 team, what they have been through as a team this year and what they have risen to, I think that uh, that is something we'll be talking about heading to Miami for a long time. Yeah. Still a lot of ground to cover on today's show. Hard to believe that's only been one segment. Uh We are just getting started. Jimmy Johnson's bid for an eighth championship is in trouble. We'll look at a disappointing day for the 48 team at Texas. We're also going to revisit Brad Keselowski's roller coaster ride on Sunday. He overcame trouble on the opening lap to earn a top five finish. 
It was another top 10 for Ryan Blaney. Plus, we'll look at the save that kept his chances for a spot in Miami still in play. And it's Dale Jr. Day. Again, still. I mean, sort of. We're going to reveal the first of Dale Jr.'s eight greatest moments selected by Dale Jr. himself. Wednesday night is rivalry night. Two of the original six face off as the Bruins take on the Rangers in the world's most famous arena. Bruins Rangers Wednesday at 8 Eastern on NBCSN. Following his race at Kansas two weeks ago, the last mile and a half track before Texas, Jimmy Johnson tweeted, it wasn't pretty, but hashtag chasing eight is still alive. Yesterday was even worse. The start of this race not going well for this 48 team. After the last time down pit road, Jimmy Johnson said that he had a little bit of a tire rub. And then just moments ago, reporting about a vibration, a small vibration at first. Chad just told him to hang on until the stage ends. But obviously, it, it got bad enough. They decided to bring the 48 to pit road for four new Goodyear tires. That's unfortunate for the 48. We're going to have to see if he can dig himself up. We're two laps down. Um, it's going to be a tough one to get back from. Right there, we're running about... Eight-tenths of a second slower than the leaders. Uh, Ten laps, 15-lap pressure tires. So not exactly optimistic. Chad Knauss just told Jimmy before that last restart, we're not really racing anyone, just trying to survive and get a pass around. Remember, Jimmy Johnson's a seven-time winner here at te Texas. Most of all drivers, and he's on the verge of going a lap down, and on the outside, Kyle Larson takes it. Jeff, wait a second. Not only is he a seven-time winner here, he's the most recent winner. He won here in April, and now he's three laps down to Kyle Larson. Yeah, I just... You know, obviously they had a, they had a tough break. They had to pit under green, but they have not had the speed all weekend. Things just have not come easy for this team this year. They ran poorly last week at Martinsville, a place where he's won the most races there as well. And you know, they just do not have the speed. Uh, yeah, but we got to figure something out. I mean, Kansas was a lot like this, just extremely difficult to drive the car carrying entry speed. Um, and then we had. Uh, a loose wheel and then contact on a restart so uh, we started off in a hole and just kept digging a deeper one as we went so uh, de definitely disappointed and I honestly I just feel bad for my team these guys are working so hard and uh, to work this hard and not not see any speed go back in the car and have bad results like the last you know three weeks have been is uh, it's pretty disappointing next week in Phoenix how do you like your chances there it's been a good track for us, um, but you know this last half of the year has been really, really weird. Places that we expect to run well and traditionally do, we haven't. Um, but I know we're building a better race car and taking a, a few new ideas to Phoenix. Um, and we'll go there and, and fight as hard as we can. That's one thing the team will never do is give up. Well, here is where Jimmy Johnson has been relative to the cut line in these playoffs. On Sunday, Jimmy suffered his worst finish of the playoffs, his fourth consecutive finish outside the top 10. That's hard to believe. As you can see, that has put him on the brink of failing to make the championship four. All right, Parker, Kyle, I know both of you have said the normal Jimmy standard definitely down a bit this year. We know yeah. that team can do just about anything, but Kyle, can they turn this around in just one race? No. Okay. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. They can't. Tell they us how have, you really feel. They, they can't, but Jim, Stand it there. <laughs> but Jimmy said it. Jimmy said right there, we're, we're as bad at Texas as we were at, at Kansas, okay? So their races, we're two or three races past Kansas, and they're still just as bad. And, yes, they're trying new things. We're throwing new things. I bet Truex is not trying new things. I bet Harvick's not trying new things. I bet Kyle Busch is not. They're going with their standard stuff, tweaking and improving and fine-tuning. 
at this stage in the playoffs, you have to be fine-tuning. You're not trying new things. You're not playing outside the box. You know what your box is. These guys have lost whatever they had. They're getting beat by their teammate on a regular basis. The 24 car of Chase Elliott is outrunning this 48, and they're making mistakes. You heard him say loose wheel. They just totally missed the setup yesterday. So they have not shown me anything really, honestly, since the playoffs started with the round of 16. Yes, he has progressed, but they've not shown me anything that said they were championship contender and could make it to Miami. I don't recognize this 48 team that I've seen in the round of eight. I, I just don't. I mean, I, I think this is, you know, when you think back to Kansas, I mean, that was atrocious for a race for the 48. Self-spinning twice. I saw Chad on the uh, pit road, kind of like the shot we just showed there at the end of that feature, where he almost looked perplexed after the race, yeah. thinking, what just happened? We don't run like this. We don't self-spin at a mile-and-a-half racetrack. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, the beginning, as we showed there at the beginning of this, you know, the first, the round of 16, the playoffs, the 48 showed a little hope. There was optimi optimism. And I spoke to uh, Jimmy many times, and he was very optimistic. Even as we went into the round of 12, he was very optimistic. But Chad was not so optimistic. And you see there, it shows kind of on the cut line where they were. They went positive in round of 16. They kind of held steady in the round of 12. But then when we got the round of eight, it's like the bottom fell out. And this team has just not shown the speed. There's not been the execution. And, and all these things are things that we normally align with the 48 yeah. team, right? And I think that's what's so perplexing. And you've seen the 24 yeah. run so well in the playoffs. And you think, okay, some of that must bleed over. But it hasn't. And that's what I'm so dumbfounded, yeah. maybe as they are, to say what has happened here. And, and Texas I mean, they, as you heard Chad say, he's eight tenths off on new tires. I yes. mean, that's, uh, you don't, you know, a Hendrick Motorsports car doesn't Unheard run eight of. tenths off on new tires. I don't Unheard care who, of. you know, it just doesn't happen. So Those words have basically yeah. never been said. No, never. no, never on, on the 48 radio, channel. Right. But, and, and let's be real clear, because I know right now as we're doing this, and my phone's laying here beside of me, I'm getting thousands of tweets <laughs> from Jimmy Johnson fans. Jimmy Johnson will go down in history oh, as far. one of the top four or five drivers ever to set in one of these cars, if not the best. Those yes. five championships in a row are unheard of, unparalleled. Uh, we may never see that again. I doubt we ever see that again. That's one of those records that will stand for it. Chad Knauss will go down as one of the greatest crew chiefs, and the run that they have had begs us to hold them to a higher standard. Exactly. And that's the problem. We hold them yes. way up here. And they're performing here. Now, they're performing better than a lot of other teams. They're just not performing at the 48 Hendrick Motorsports uh, level that we think they should be. And it's not and a that's championship why, level. And that's what, no. That's and that's why argument. it sounds like we're so critical. We're yeah. critical because you've set a standard that we're holding you to, and you're not there anymore. Exactly. And I, I think that's exactly well said because that's the thing. This team has been so impressive, and Chad has mentioned many times to me throughout these playoffs, we're a very clutch race team. We're, we're going to fit, you know, we... Even if we don't have it, we can maybe pull something, yeah. a rabbit out of the hat, like they did last year to win oh, that yeah. championship when most of us doubted them, right? <laughs> they just went out there and did it, and Jimmy Johnson nailed some perfect restarts, had you know ice water running through his veins, and did exactly what has won him seven championships. Yes. He knows how to drive a race car. Chad knows how to set up a race car. Something is amiss this year, and it's, I just don't foresee them turning around in one race of Phoenix. And we've said this. They're victims of their own success. Yes. Uh, and it's hard to respect or appreciate the type of history they're making oh, or yeah. have made when we're living it. You yeah, know, it's exactly. easy to go back and look at history. We're, we're, look in, back we're, we're in the middle of it. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy Johnson, they definitely have their work cut out for them this weekend. And, hey, if you want to see Jimmy before Phoenix, he is scheduled to make an appearance on this week's Country Music Awards show, the CMAs, Wednesday night. I guess you could say in Texas they stepped in a little more than dirt on their boots.
Oh, there you go. Wow. Give it to her. Let's get out of here. Chuckle Hut. If you, Kozlowski does earn the final spot in the championship four, he'll remember Sunday's race as a turning point. How did Kozlowski recover from first lap trouble to score a critical top five finish on Sunday? We'll recap his up and down day in Texas next. Only eight more NASCAR Americas until Miami when Dale Earnhardt Jr. hangs up his helmet. So for each show up until then, we are going to bring you one of Junior's greatest moments in the sport. Why do we think these eight deserve mention? Well, we don't. Dale Jr. does. He handpicked his eight favorite for you, the viewers. We're going to bring you the one that happened first later in the show. Sometimes in sports, it's not about maximizing your best. It's minimizing your worst. That's what Brad Kozlowski faced yesterday at Texas, and it came at him quickly. Take a look at this. The 18 on the bottom of the racetrack. This 18 drives to the bottom, trying to carry a lot of speed, gets loose, gets up the racetrack, gets in the side of the two car, and, you know, slight contact, but a lot of fender damage on the 18 car, and obviously a cut tire on the two of Keselowski. The official word, Brad Keselowski, is the free pass. He's going around here. When they are up, when they are able to, they're going to come to pit road here, and you could audibly hear Brad over the radio, the relief in his voice just to say, oh, man, now we're back in the ballgame up in the 14th position and if you watch for the last several laps they've been one of the five fastest cars on the racetrack so not out of the ballgame yet and i know steve you love this right crew chief driver working together they had a rough first lap but you know what brad kozlowski has a shot here doesn't he? and they were in 39th at one point today in minus 20 points now brad kozlowski is up in the seventh position plus five if he's able to make it to the championship four rick i am sure they will look back at this rally at texas as what got them there it was a lap one flat for Brad Keselowski. If I'd have told you at that point, Brad, you'd come back and finish fifth and be plus 19 at the end of the day, what would you have told me? Uh, yeah, we'll take it. Uh, but still want more. Um, yeah. Hate to give up those stage points. But, you know, uh, 19 points isn't terrible uh, for a cushion. Uh, we'll need to go and have a solid race at um, Phoenix next week and hope none of the other guys win. It's doable, but it's going to be a nail-biter next week for sure. This is how volatile the playoffs can be. Entering Sunday, Brad Keselowski was 29 points over the cut line. After his lap one incident, he was 20 points behind. But that steady drive back to the front allowed him to end the day back on the good side, holding the last championship four spot by 19 points. Yeah, his graphic looks a little different than Jimmy Johnson's. <laughs> yes. Kyle, we talked about this last night on the post-race show. How big was that comeback for Brad? Because as we were watching yeah. the race, that was the moment that you sort of kept talking about. I, I think it was huge from the standpoint that it keeps him in the game. Okay, that, that in itself was a huge moment. I think it's larger for me uh, because I believe them to be a championship-caliber team and a championship-quality team. Paul Wolf and Brad Keselowski together with Penske, with Roger Penske, obviously they've won the championship. They know how to win a championship, but I think – there are moments in a career, there are moments in a season, there are moments that you look at, maybe the team doesn't win, but you look at and say, championship performance. And yesterday was a championship caliber performance for that team. They were so far out of it, so far gone, um, that, that you thought, there's no way they're ever going to be able to come back. There's no way they're going to be a part of the conversation when this day is over with. And boom, fifth place finish. And they're still in the mix. Because it's the same, what you win championships on your worst days, not your best. And that's exactly what the two did. And I think it's been very impressive. One, the comeback. Two, that 
Brad Keselowski had the composure immediately to recognize he had a higher going down, which is hard to do yeah. a lot of times, especially, you know, as quickly as that happened on the start. No, you know, no fault of his own. Kyle Busch just gets a little bit loose, gets into him. He gets that tire change, and then they steadily march forward, makes the right choices, makes some great restarts, gets in the right position, obviously. So I, I just think all those things really align for them. And when you think about how they entered Texas, right, they had talked about Martinsville being a must-win yeah. for this two-team, and they lose Martinsville through all that happened there at the end, through the caution and such, and the restarts. And now they enter Texas, and actually Marty Snyder reported that they were told to use the 21 car setup, right? Because the two car had not been as good on the mile and a half as the 21 car. And then they go out there to have the day they did. So yeah. I just think there's so many things that align there, not only the comeback in the race, but the, the mentality they had to enter that race with, thinking they probably needed just a solid day. They wanted to get stage yeah. points really badly to, to help themselves out. And they go out there and have that performance. I just think it was very impressive. Okay, so let's steer towards Kyle Busch. Here's a driver who didn't have to win. He's the only one who at that point, yeah. at least when the race started, knew he was going to be in the championship four. They, too, had trouble why, couldn't, why didn't they just sort of pack it in and go, hey, all right, we're already in. We can sort of just coast. They were back out there racing their okay. guts out. That's because it's, it's, that's this Kyle that does that. Yeah, he that, packs I, in. I, I, I would have headed to the house. <laughs> I, I was headed to the house. I was headed to Whataburger. I'm telling you, man, I'm going somewhere. Okay, and this it was interesting because I, I questioned that and thought about it. What would make a guy, what would make a team, and we know how upset he gets when he runs second, okay, when things go bad. Um what would make that team and Adam Stevens and Kyle Busch and that team just dig a little deeper and say, you know what, we're going to run this race. In the end, they outrun Jimmy Johnson. We talk about how bad a day <laughs> Jimmy Johnson had yesterday. In the end, they finished better. But I will give this to Krista. You answered my question this morning when we were on the phone call. <gasps> I the, did? Yes. The thing is, they, they need to keep their head in the game. You've got to keep your head in the game. Pit stops. They basically got a free day of, let's go over there. Let's bust these pit stops. Let's stay in that rhythm. Let's stay in the rhythm of spotting. Let's stay in the rhythm of driving. Let's stay in the rhythm of running a strategy and seeing where we're at. Stay in that race, that race condition and understand that this is what we have to do as we go to Phoenix and what we have to perfect by the time we get to, to, home, to Miami. And you mentioned it. They had no right front fenders yeah. in, oh, in yeah. the 48. So it just puts it in the context. I mean, it is incredible. But, yeah, definitely. I think this is just one of those never-give-up moments. You know, you just can't. You can't let – you can't just stop, right, because you're in the midst of a championship battle on the 18 car. I think back to Charlotte when he had the – spun out and hit the wall there and everything. Oh, yeah. and they kept going, and Kyle gutted it out, and that's what you got to do. It's a little bit of it's almost mental to prove your team you're going to still gut it out. You're still in this together, win or lose, and that's why I think the 18 team did it. It's really like the way we prepare a show. I mean, when a, when a certain segment is sort of going downhill, <laughs> we don't give up. We just stay in that rhythm to get to the bitter end. We throw it to you when we're going downhill. That's the way it goes. Yeah, that's that's great. (laughs) It's her fault when when it goes wrong. True. All right, so we're going to go ahead and just stay the course. For five drivers, the most important number this week is one. One race for one spot. Who will join Kyle, Kevin, and Martin in the championship four? That conversation is next. Hey, what kind of weekend, Kyle, is it going to be in, in Phoenix? One hot weekend. One hot weekend. You can start it early with the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Seattle Seahawks when Thursday night football returns to NBC. And then join us next weekend. The last race is before the championship for both the Xfinity and NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series live from Phoenix. Phoenix has got it going on this weekend. The Xfinity Series races Saturday at 3.30 Eastern on NBC. The Cup Series Sunday at 2.30 Eastern on NBC as well. The culmination of the round of eight. 
so much on the line. You want pressure, Rick? This is pressure. Eight drivers will move on to start the round of eight. Martin Truex Jr. is going to win the first race of the playoffs. Kyle Busch will win. Yes, Nothing is automatic in the playoffs. Keselowski is going to win at Talladega. Drama at a peak level. So, which of the five drivers will step through that open door and claim the final spot in the championship four? Brad Keselowski is in the best shape right now, 19 points above the cut line. Both Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson are essentially in must-win situations. As for Denny Hamlin and Ryan Blaney, they both had good runs and picked up significant stage points, but still lost ground yesterday. And as Nate Ryan learned, that has Denny Hamlin a little concerned. Denny, for you first, it looks like points-wise... As Martin said, I mean, he clinched a spot, so it's pretty much five guys racing for one spot, and you're 19 points behind Keselowski in fourth. Is, does that make Phoenix pretty much must win, or do you look at points at all? Now? Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what our competitors do, but obviously uh, our competitors are running up front. So, we, uh, yeah, we, we probably need to win, uh, most likely, which is amazing. It's the second year in a row, the third round, where, you know, I average inside a top five finish, and it's just – that ain't going to be good enough. You know, it needs to be uh, better. Um, but it's about winning races, and that's what we'll go next week and try to do. So in addition to Hamlin, the five drivers racing for that final spot include two champions and two 20-somethings. So do you put your stock in experience, youth, momentum? I'm going to turn it over to Parker and Kyle, and I hope one of you is going to talk <laughs> about that Blaney save, as you uh, discussed. We will get to that because yes. it was absolutely awesome, Krista. But, Kyle, I think Denny kind of mentioned it there. Yeah. How well he's run in this round but finds himself 19 points back from Brad Keselowski. How do we get here? Uh, you know, that's the question. I think everybody scratches their heads on that one, you know, because I, I, I think Denny has a valid point. The third round, as he looks at it, he's had incredible finishes. He's led laps. He's run up front. He's done everything he could do. And he's not gaining any points. But I think part of that is uh, two things, twofold. We talk about it. these are the guys that run up front. When you run up front and you're racing the guys that run up front, you don't gain points. <laughs> and the stage points are critical right now. The stage it, points have changed racing. Exactly. So I think we have kind of a, a showing what exactly, how we got here, basically. A roadmap of how we got here. And basically what we entered the round of eight with in, return, in terms of Brad Keselowski, yeah. Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney. So let's take a look at this. So as we entered the round of 12, you have the playoff points that, or as we entered the round of eight, you have the playoff points that Brad Keselowski scored in the round of 12. Six playoff points, right? Virtue of a win and a winning a stage. And then you only have one and one for Ryan Blaney. So as they entered this round of eight, they found themselves being Hamlin 12 points back and Blaney 17 points back from Brad Keselowski, right? Yes. I'll, so, I'll give you that. I mean, so I'll basically, give you that. So yeah, you thought it was close. You thought it was close, right? You <laughs> thought it was close. And then as you get in here, Brad Keselowski simply outscored them. He's gotten 85 points compared to Denny Hamlin's 78 and Ryan Blaney's 80. So that's the answer for Mr. Hamlin right there. Yeah. You've been outscored. You've, you've just been outscored in stage racing, and that's what it's all about. You know, and as we went into this last week, um, I, I think that, that Brad Keselowski was 29 to the good, okay? But he was like 35 and 37 ahead, ahead of, of Ryan Blaney and Denny Hamlin. That was the point spread between those that group of, of drivers right there. And as we go through it, yes, Brad had a horrendous day. He scored no points, no bonus points. I think Blaney and Denny both scored 10, 11, 12, 13, something in that. 
Yeah, they caught up a little bit, but Brad had 39 or 35 to 37 points to give away. Now the gap is 19. So, yeah, he could give up a little bit and still be ahead and have a bad day. He afforded himself a bad day by gaining that cushion. And essentially what we're trying to explain is that Brad Keselowski and that two team have been rewarded for what they did through the regular season yes. and the playoff points they've scored in the playoffs that ultimately add up to this plus the stage points. Perfect example of why every lap and every position and every race matters, exactly. no matter what. So let's talk about lap 257 That's at a huge Texas because this is really cool. We're coming here into turn one, and we're going to watch this save by Ryan Blaney, which keeps him in the playoffs. So we'll stop it real quick here. I just want to zoom in to show you which car we're looking at. There he is. He's already a little bit sideways. He's running in fourth place right ahead of Eric Jones, who's laid up in his bumper. And now watch what he does. He is completely sideways, Kyle. That's incredible. Completely sideways all the way through the corner. He's almost two-thirds of the way through this corner. He's drifting at 150, 145, 50 miles an hour, which is a fantastic job that he did to save this thing. And those guys did a great job to avoid him. And I actually counted. He basically slid for about six seconds. Now, you saw that 11 car gaining on them. That's Mr. Hamlin. He's running in seventh place, but he's going to find himself in fourth place. Yes. After this. So we're going to go on board with Kyle Larson now, and we're going to look ahead. Once again, I just want to point these out. Blaney's up there. He's up there with Eric Jones. We're going to look ahead at that and watch what happens. Blaney's going to get sideways, and he's going to check up all these cars in front of us. And Mr. Hamlin in that purple car is going to go all the way down the wall through the apron, and he's going to find himself in fourth place. Three points, three positions. I don't care how you get there. That is important. In he did a phenomenal moment. job. All those guys did a great job uh, of staying out of the inside wall, of avoiding Blaney, uh, and of continuing on. It's an incredible moment, an incredible save by Mr. Blaney. I, I think was trying out for maybe the D1 drifting championship <laughs> or something, Krista. All I know is that guy's got some talent to do yes. that. I just have one question. You guys are so excited over there. Parker, are you sweating? Not yet, no. I, I think I would be if I was Ryan Blaney's situation yes, there. Uh, maybe more than sweating. My hands, my, the, palms, my, the palms of my hands are wet just from watching. <laughs> All I'm right, done. well, we're going to take a break so you guys have time to get back over here, dry off a little bit. Kevin Harvick <laughs> and the four team gave the rest of the playoff field, especially Martin Truex Jr., something to think about for Miami. Up next, we will salute the crew that put Harvick in a position to win at Texas. The pit crew review is straight ahead. On Wednesday, NASCAR America is live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame at 5 Eastern with special guest Clint Boyer, one of the sport's most unique personalities. We will discuss his first year with Stuart Haas, his racing routes, and more. That's Wednesday at 5 Eastern, right here. And this weekend at Phoenix, it's not junior nation, but damnation for Boyer. His number 14 Ford Fusion will promote the new USA Network series, Damnation. On promoting the new series, Boyer said, if we can run well at Phoenix and get the show a lot of attention, we'll deliver an even bigger audience. Damnation premieres tomorrow night at 10 Eastern on the USA Network. Car looks really cool. While Boyer will still will be in the spotlight later this week, his teammate Kevin Harvick had it all to himself yesterday in Texas. But he didn't do it all himself. Let's check out this week's Pit Crew Review. Kevin Harvick can check Texas off the winless tracks. He has won at Texas Motor Speedway. Hi, I'm Mike McCarville, a shock specialist on the number four Kevin Harvick. And what a day here in Texas. Just an unbelievable day for Kevin. Big wobble there for the 78. The four of Harvick's going to take advantage of it. The pass for the lead on the outside on a mile and a half is uh, something that doesn't always happen, but Kevin pulled it off with a few laps to go and running into the checkered flag, and uh, we're pretty excited about being in contention when it comes time for Homestead. 
Mike McCarville, part of the road crew for the four team of Kevin Harvick and Stuart Haas Racing, who are heading to the championship four after that win at Texas. Harvick won the title back in 2014, and two members of his championship winning pit crew from that season still remain. And they actually won the title with Tony Stewart in 2011. We're talking about rear tire carrier Shrek Morno and rear tire changer Daniel Smith. Those two have been together for 11 years. Really impressive. All right, let's talk Xfinity Series for a bit. Different situation over there. Yes, their championship four will also be decided in Phoenix, but no Xfinity Series regular has yep. won in this round, meaning at least three positions will be determined by points. So, Parker, who do you like? Well, I like Junior Motorsports. Chances. Yeah, across oh, the world. that was good. Is that, that that's was good. expert analysis that's good, yeah. right there? Sorry, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm stopping it there. Uh, no, I think these guys. Obviously, Junior Motorsports has been the team to beat in the Xfinity playoffs. They've had an incredible year between Elliott Sadler, William Byron, and Justin Algar. And really, what it comes down to, amongst Brennan Poole, Matt Tiff, Cole Custer, and even we'll add in Daniel Hemrick, although he's a little bit far out points wise. Which of them is going to rise up and take that fourth spot? And we've really thought that throughout the Xfinity playoffs. The junior sports cars have continually been a bit faster. I think right now, if I'm to size up that next group, to me it comes down between Cole Custer and Brennan Poole. Brennan Poole's teammates in the 42 car, and I say teammates because there's been multiple yeah. drivers, have shown a lot of speed in those Chip Ganassi racing Chevys. And therefore, I think if he can find a little bit of that, what they've had in that 42 car, he can be really one to reckon with. Cole Custer has been one of the best cars and has actually been the best car on the mile and a half in the Xfinity Series all year. So if he can get through Phoenix by beating Brendan Poole, he'll be a factor at Miami. Yeah. So it's definitely a toss-up there, but I think what you're looking at is Junior Motorsports lock in their three unless something disastrous happens. And now it comes down to this group of other youngsters who's going to rise up and go fight for this championship. Yeah, and the Junior Motorsports have been the team. If we go back to last year, it was um, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. With, with Daniel Suarez and with Eric Jones. Yep. They, they were the dominant team. This year it shifted to, to junior motorsports. I think Elliot Sadler, uh, we look at Elliot Sadler, we talk about him. He's the older guy uh, in this mix. We talk about William Byron. He's the younger guy. My money's on Justin Allgaier to, when, when we get to Miami. I am telling you, he is one of the most underrated, under-the-radar guys out there, period. Uh, but it all, it's all going to come down to, and I think if those guys have the day that they have, they're moving on to Miami. That's not an issue. I believe Cole Custer is a special talent. I really do. And I think what that team has done this year, putting that team together as an Xfinity team, coming out and running it in his very first year, and him being in contention to go to Miami is a huge accomplishment. The only thing they can do better is get to Miami and then contend for the win when they get there. And I think that that really Phoenix falls into their wheelhouse. And no, just to add on to Justin Algar at Miami, remember he came very close last year to finding yes. himself winning that championship as well. And they're going to be uh, on the big spotlight on the big stage because that Xfinity Series race, 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC on Saturday. So the, the championship four will yep. be determined. And I bet if Dale Earnhardt Jr., one of his drivers, wins the championship four, you know, he won a championship in the Xfinity Series with Chase Elliott. Yep. I bet that would rank as maybe one of his top eight moments. Maybe. Maybe. I say maybe. that because... <laughs> we don't know. They're his moments. Maybe. Coming up, we asked Dale Earnhardt Jr. to tell us his eight greatest moments in the sport's most popular driver, Oblige. We'll reveal the first of Dale Jr.'s picks next on NASCAR America. Yeah, thanks for getting back out there. Yeah, we want to finish. It's weird, you know, if you, if you don't finish when you should, it's a bad feeling going home knowing you could have finished the race even though you'd be a lot of laps down it's a weird bad feeling so 
we don't want that to have happen to us and, and we want to finish these races at the end if we can. We put her back together and got back out there to finish the race. I think it's important to to finish these last few if you can. Uh, congrats to Harvick and uh, for punching his ticket to Homestead. He's one of the guys I thought would be there and he'll definitely be one of the favorites in my opinion. Regular part of Monday, hearing from Dale Jr. on Periscope. You know, there are eight days of NASCAR America leading up to Miami, and that number means something to Dale Jr. So we asked him for his eight greatest on-track moments. Eight, again, because he's running a special paint scheme at Miami. It's a throwback to the look of his old number. We'll bring them to you all this week and next here on NASCAR America. Now, it's not a countdown, just his eight favorite moments. We're going to bring them to you chronologically. First up, a big moment for Jr. in 1998. Welcome to history. 43 cars, a new champion, one shining moment, and one very proud father. To see your son do it really, really hits home. You really feel good to see him win races. <laughs> There's a champion saluting the crowd. This crowd here at Homestead loving it. I have never seen anything like that before, Kyle. There may be a race going on, but I'm telling you, everybody sitting on the front stretch is watching that three car right now. Looked like we was going to get number eight today, but uh, old mother blew up. Now, we ain't going to go out like that. We're going we gonna to go out with a smile. Okay, so that was handpicked by Junior. I uh, hope he's watching because we've got yes, seven more cool. to come. Uh, but that was big because it really, I mean, he's always been Dale Senior's son, but that sort of yeah. put him on that map. He was now a NASCAR champion in what is now the Xfinity Series. Yeah, and, and look, look, and we've said this a million times um, about you can say it about myself or Dale Jarrett or whatever. We got here with our dad. That's the way it is. It's a family business. But he had to perform. And Dale Jr. performed. I mean, if we go back to the late 90s and early 2000s and stuff, man, he was winning everything there was to win. And that, X, that Xfinity champion, I almost called it what it was at that time. Sorry about that because we were talking <laughs> about the Xfinity. That was a huge accomplishment, a huge accomplishment for anybody. No matter, I, I don't care what you go on to do, that's huge. As a race fan, I was eight years old, so I can't say it was I just very, did the math. very, yeah. Look very clear what happened there. But I Parker do remember at the time starting to hear the name Dale Earnhardt Jr. and not think just of Dale Earnhardt Sr. Yeah. You start to think of him as just a race car driver. And that's what matters. Because I thought, you know, eight days, eight greatest moments. Parker was eight. Oh. Maybe we'll get some more contemporary ones. That's all yeah, for NASCAR Lord. America. For yes. all of your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We're going to be back, Kyle. You're, you're here tomorrow. I'm here tomorrow. Kyle yes, and sorry. I will be back Tuesday at 5 p.m. <laughs> Eastern. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We will see you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.